I think uh, the most trouble I ever got in church was on a Christmas Eve as a child. And I was in a service very much like this one with candles at the end and carols sung all along the way, scripture was read. And uh, I remember dinner was waiting, and so I was sitting there with my mom, my dad, and my sister. And uh, we got toward the end of the service, and the pastor got up to preach. And I looked over at my sister, and I said, oh, brother, how long is he going to talk? <laughs> it wasn't very funny at the time, because my sister's face dropped, and I looked over at my dad, and he just was giving me one of these looks, and speaking under his breath. And I knew that I was probably, that would probably be my last Christmas. So if you're having a similar inner dialogue right now with dinner waiting, remember, I'm the same kid who said that. So this is going to be short tonight, but I want to invite you to, to just uh, really listen in with me. So let me just say a quick prayer. Father, tonight we have come much like um, the shepherds, wise men, maybe a little later on in the story, to just draw near to you. And I thank you for the promise of your word that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. So we just thank you for that tonight, just how you're going to do that. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, when I was 12 years old, um, there was one thing I really wanted for Christmas. And I just remember thinking, if only, if only, if only I could get this, the rest of my life would be set. And so it was a portable pool table, okay? It was about this big. And, you know, you can move it around the house, little tiny billiard, you know, uh, balls and sticks and stuff. And I wanted this thing so bad. And I remember, I remember circling it in the Sears catalog, then tearing, some of y'all remember what that is. I'm glad, I'm glad somebody's with me. Tearing that off, I slid it under my parents' door. My dad threw it away. Later on, I found it, put it under his pillow. Um, when it was my turn to pray at, at dinner, because we would take, take turns, that whole month before Christmas, I would always include that pool table in the prayer. I talked to my parents about it in every conversation. And I remember closer to Christmas, I even, Dennis, I'm sorry you have to hear this. I even went through my parents' closet, just hoping maybe, maybe, maybe it's there. Of course it wasn't. And you know what happened on Christmas Day? I got it. I got the pool table, and I remember just thinking, this is the greatest day of my life. I could hear angels singing in the background, you know, hallelujah, and it was incredible. It's just all my dreams had come true, and so what happened with this pool table was I played with it for about two weeks, and later that summer, we had a garage sale, and the pool table was in the garage sale. That was it, and I, I just have been thinking about that and laughing all week, thinking, what a great example, not just of kids at Christmas, but of, of people all the way through life. I mean, this is our story on planet Earth, if only. And we all play this game, you know. If only I could get my finances together. If only I could get my, my, reach my money goals. If only I could find true love and have that storybook romance that all the movies are about. Um, if, if only all those people who are pains in my neck, if they would just get their act together. You know, everything would be okay. If only I had the right house in the right neighborhood. If, if only my political party were running this country. If, if only my kids would straighten up. You know, if only they would make something of themselves. And then later on, if, if they would just call once in a while or come and visit. If, if only we could get past this pandemic and solve these world problems. 
If only next year I could finally get into to, to good shape. And we could continue that list, right? From now until next Christmas, couldn't we? I mean, if we gave everybody else a turn. Um, and most of us know, by the way, we know by now that the if only game never ends. You know, even when we do get some of those things fulfilled, because sometimes they do come true, right? What happens? Something else just creeps in to take its place, right? We discover we need something else. And it would be bad enough if that were restricted to just life on the planet, right? Just the things around us, the things that we need. But the same is true spiritually speaking. You know, in, in, in our inner life, if only, like if only I could get past my anxiety, my depression, you know, if, if, if only I could get past my addiction, my brokenness. Um, if only I could find these words that we talk about every Advent, you know, real peace, true lasting hope, uh, uh, true joy, divine love. If, if only I could really live this life instead of just existing from day to day, but really live this life and then lay hold of, of some life to come. If only I could be healed inside, made whole. If, if only I could just be content for, for more than a few days or a season. If only I could find forgiveness for the things I've done in my life. If, if only I could forgive myself for the things that I've done. This is the, the greatest need that we have as people. And, you know, we, we might not articulate that, admit that to someone else, say it out loud, but this kind of emptiness and brokenness, it really is the cry of every human heart. And the tragedy is we can't satisfy these things ourselves. I, I have a friend who once said, Steve, you know, the one thing I can't do in this life is jumpstart my own heart. It's just, it's just true. It, in, in other words, only the God who made us only the God who gave us life can bring us to life. Well, the best news ever, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown, right? I mean, this is what Christmas is all about, that God came into our darkness, into our gloom, into our emptiness, into our brokenness. He did. And the thing is, God did it in person, and God did it as a person. He did it in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why this is such a beautiful thing that we celebrate. But there's a bigger question, and the question is why? Why did God do that? You know, God, according to Scripture, He's perfect. God is without any need. In other words, God really doesn't need us to, to be satisfied. So why did God do it? Well, that's because of who He is. The Bible tells us all over the place from beginning to end, not only that God has love and that God is loving, the Bible says that God is love. And the greatest evidence of his love is the Christmas story which launches the rescue mission for every single one of us. As Jesus Christ came down into this earth, to this earth, very humbly, right? Very, you know, very nondescript, but he came down to this earth not to judge, not to condemn, not to convict, not to destroy the earth or its inhabitants. Instead, Jesus came seeking and saving the lost, which, by the way, ends up being everyone. 
Jesus comes saving everyone who will have him. Everyone who will receive him as Savior and Lord. And everyone who does that receives a real change in this life. It's an incredible status change. Um, John writes about it in 1 John 3, 1, and I did a little edit here, but I think you'll be able to follow me. He writes this, Wow, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that's what Jesus comes and that's what he does. He changes our status from orphans, homeless, alone in this world, spiritually speaking, to children of God. Again, why? All because God is love. All because of the love of God for us. Jesus changes our status. And then John writes about this love in the next chapter, John 4, 16 through 18. Listen to this. He says, now we know and we rely on the love God has for us because God is love. Whoever lives in love now lives in God and God lives in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are now like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but God's perfect love drives out fear. In just a couple of minutes, we are going to light candles. We'll turn down the lights. We'll light the candles either, you know, the kid way or the adult way. And um, it is visually stunning. It's, it's one of my favorite moments of the year. And if you've never been to a candlelight, you're going to remember the moment because it's, it's just incredible. There's nothing like it. But the most glorious aspect of the candles are what they represent. And it's Christ in us. That's what they stand for. I had a, a, an elder in my former church. Um, he's written a few books. You may have read one of them, a guy named Robert Whitlow. And Robert would have come up to me every Christmas Eve before we did our candlelight service, and he would say, Steve, how many candles does it take to light up the darkness? And the answer, if you don't know it, is one. It just takes one candle to cut through the darkness and for there to be light. That's how it is with Jesus. We need only one Savior to rescue us from sin. We only need one Messiah to give us life. We only need one Lord to change our life. And we have been singing about him and reading about him all night long. His name is Jesus. And it's an incredible name. And it is the only name you need to claim in this life to belong to God and to be loved by God.